Thanks for listening to our show. We don't know how it's gonna go, but it's something that you haven't ever seen before. We're two special brothers with rhythm and blessings and love and knowledge and power. And now they've reached you and made you feel some type of way. And how are you going to respond to that? Yeah, I saw somebody make a good point once of uh, how angry someone else was on social media in reference to this big old traffic jam on the highway because they were going to be late for work. And it's like, oh, yeah, why do you have to be driving crazy, this and that? And then the person was upset because they're like, this was a rear end accident involving a semi truck and a family. and People died in this, and you're upset because you're late for work. And I was like, man, that's a good point to make right there because, you know, I've been upset in traffic before, but you don't know the circumstances of the situation you're in. And you have to really think is, are the consequences that I'm facing really that severe in comparison to what is truly going on here? And, um, you know, that was kind of eye opening for me in that situation there. Yeah. And I think a lot of times also people changing their perspective can make them feel a what we might define as a religious experience, something that feels divine, um, akin to maybe what someone feels when they're on a psychedelic drug, mm-hmm. because um, a shift in perspective with the correct stimuli, we could say like music or a whole bunch of people around you worshiping, if we're taking church, for example. Yeah. Um, it create something where a human being will tap into this energy where they have what's called a religious experience. They under, they, their perspective becomes greater than just themselves. It's ego shattering. Right. Right. They start to recognize that they could take their individual subjective perspective and expand it all the way out however far you want to allow to think to be honest in my mind Mm -hmm. i try to imagine my soul expanding out in infinite directions and notice that i can consume yeah and you you relate that to religion but even more so just having a strong spirituality and um you know some for some people you have to use that difference of word because religion gives people this certain connotation but you know having that that belief in a higher power, or even that might be too specific for someone. Change your perspective on that then, right? Having a belief that there's energy greater than yourself and there's some kind of connectedness to the things around you, mm-hmm. that level of perspective and being grateful and appreciative for what you do have. Um, you know, that's one th- good thing that religion does do. It, it gives you a, a center to be grateful to. So you can express your gratitude and we we refer to those things that we are grateful for as blessings. So, you know, a lot of this terminology that goes into religion is, um, you know, such a staple in developing these positive mindsets and Mm. developing perspective and having a set of morals that, um, you know, uh, I've sometimes questioned how people that don't have as much of a spiritual presence or follow a religion, how they choose to develop upon these things. Um, just because that with my experience, it it's really been my spirituality and at times my religion that has helped me to have that level of gratitude and awareness of the blessings that I do have in my life. Yeah. 
I totally understand that. And I feel you. It is necessary to be able to make those distinctions with words when you're talking to a large audience. What I'm only referring to, which I think is a very interesting topic, is the fact that organized religions have understood that when you put large amounts of people in a concentrated area and play music and get them all mm-hmm. into a rhythmic yeah, uh, yeah. in sync tune, then it brings out a greater experience. Now, I also think, you know, Rolling Loud has done this. And yes. I think that there's other um, mediums that bring this energy to people. But for a long time throughout history, religions knew that we need to tap into that right. in people. And it, and it brings people's perspectives out greater than just themselves. Yeah. Now, and I feel you, I think spirituality, just having a connection is very important, but there are some people who are searching for a spiritual connection without understanding some of these little, just easy things they can do, like connecting with people mm-hmm. or connecting with a rhythm, rhythm yeah. and blessings, you feel me? But it's connecting with a rhythm and understanding that this is how you can kind of start to mold. This is yeah. your gym. Yeah. And you, you make a good point with the music. And again, like we, what we talked about last week with education and how powerful music can be and, you know, um, giving people information and also, giving them an attitude. So mm. having that positive vibration, high energy music um, in a setting where you're trying to teach people basically moral values and how to be devoted to God, um, having that paired with the musical experience is just going to make it a lot stronger as well. 100%. Mm. And I just want to clear this up because I'm sure most people listening to us know what Rolling Loud is, but Rolling Loud is a festival, a big music festival. I'm just thinking because my mom might hear this and I want to make sure she understands. (laughs) I'm just making a great example about masses. And I know a few of our listeners know exactly what Rolling Loud is. 100%. I myself went to Rolling Loud this year and I will Mm. never go again. Too crowded? It was too crowded for me. Yeah, I understand. Post-COVID, I was like, whoa. Like, I I knew it was going to be a lot of people. I I don't know if it was just because it was that first time I've been around that many people, but it was a lot of people. Yeah, who was your favorite artist that you saw, though? Like, who had the best performance? My favorite? um, You know, Lil Baby was pretty good. Um, You're going to laugh. The city girls went off at Rolling Loud. Hey man, the energy in the performance—I can man, imagine. Man, I was all the girls were knew all the lyrics. I didn't know the lyrics, but all of a sudden they're like, "Yeah, yeah!" Oh, they so they cool. had their crowd jumping, and then there was, "Oh man, I'm gonna have to ask the homies now." Because there's one guy who I'd never heard of him before, but he had the energy that mm-hmm. was appropriate for that setting, and I was really into it. And the the people that knew him were like really excited. He was there performing. I can't even remember his name. That's a shame, oh. but. um it was it was a good experience. Sure. I, it was just something that I would only do once. I feel you, but man, think about that. Like for you know, a long time, societies and people who control have understood that there needs to be some type of group cathartic release of energy in the oh, yeah. masses for people to continue on. Yeah, and yeah, you can take that and understand it and put it towards your practice of growing yourself, or you could just go mm. enjoy it in all the major cities with drugs and alcohol, yeah, whatever it is you want to do. Right. But either way, it's an archetypal experience for a human being to feel their perspective expand when they're in these yeah. moments. And that's why it's been so hard on people the past couple of years because mm. it's taken away from those experiences so often. That's not being able to gather in uh, large groups like that and enjoy music, enjoy concerts. I know that was one of the first things you enjoyed once they started 
being less restrictive on some of the things that uh, we could interact with in large groups. And, um, you know, Maddie and I as well got to see like John Legend and um, J. Cole, you know, shortly after uh, things were getting a a little less crazy as far as the COVID measures. And those were, um, you know, meaningful experiences for us being able to do that after being you know, scared and secluded for so long and um, being able to enjoy that level of vibrational energy in a group because there was good music getting dropped through COVID. Don't get me wrong, but it's different when you can go see it in person and really feel the energy of the person that was making it and also be able to relate with that same level of energy with a lot of other people, I think is really special. And a, a lot of people listening to this right now can definitely relate to me on the power behind being at a live concert versus listening on your iPod at home in a dark room. <laughs> yeah. And I just want people to really take a second and realize that those structural methods are very similar to religions. You know, mm-hmm. those <laughs> that concept is something that is a uh, old concept to get you to expand past your own ego. So on our last show, you mentioned uh, very briefly internal locus of control. Mm-hmm. How do you think having a good, strong sense of perspective plays into you developing and maintaining an internal locus of control? That's a great question, man. So... First of all, an internal locus of control is a psychological concept that basically says it measures how much a person feels like their outcomes are from their own choices. Mm -hmm. And then the opposite of that is an external locus of control. And that's the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, A very easy example that I like to give is two people are playing video games. One person loses, throws down the controller and says, man, this game always cheating. That's an external <laughs> locus of control, right? Yeah. Internal is where did I mess up? What do I need to do better? Uh, what do better? What do I need to change to be able to create the outcome I want? That's internal. So now that we got that out of the way, how does my perspective, how do I feel like I use my perspective to develop and maintain an internal locus of control? Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately, so many ways because I feel like the blessings that we talked about. I feel like I've been given so much that I can't be anything less than 100% accountable for my own actions because I understand I'm not given anything in this world and that Mm -hmm. it's only going to be my steps that create my life that I want. Right. That's the first way my perspective. Second is that I've lived long enough now to see enough people pass away to know that I don't really have time to just mess around. I don't have time to create a life that I don't want because this is a game as well as it is serious. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because Mm -hmm. that's definitely uh, something that has changed my perspective on a lot of things and also helped me have more of an internal locus of control, um, experiencing death with people and um, that and the things that they share me towards the end share with me towards the end of life and what they're prioritizing in those moments and um you know the things that they have realized really aren't that significant um a lot of that you know people have told me that i have potential and they can recognize that in the short amount of time that we're interacting and they really always seem passionate about telling me that i need to unlock my potential and take advantage of it almost like 
inadvertently telling me that, you know, they had potential of some sort and they felt like they didn't do that. That's always the mm. the feeling that I get when somebody shares those kind of words with me. Yeah. And, um, you know, being able to talk with people's family members after they've passed or right before, you know, sometimes people aren't conscious. And then so uh, interacting with their loved ones and hearing their um priorities as well the things that they really remember about people you know because we all have goals and we want to leave a legacy but when it comes down to it there's going to be a lot of things that we do that we think are important now that nobody acknowledges and then there will be a lot of things that we do that we don't think are important that people are really going to appreciate when we're gone Mm. um and so really being able to hear true priorities of people when life is at its end I think is extremely powerful for me. And a lot of that just comes down to uh, selflessness and what those people did in their own times of need for other people. And people are so appreciative that um, people have that level of empathy and perspective to where now they feel that they need to repay them by being with them in their final moments and, remembering them and making sure the people around them remember them for the positive things that they've done and that that individual experience with them. Yeah. And that's where that gives a meaning to life. If people want to be very nihilistic or nihilistic out there and say that there's nothing that matters and that I can just be fallible and an asshole my whole life and nothing is going to matter. Well, take the perspective of that person in the hospital Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah. Because things do matter. It just might not be what you think matters or what you want to matter. Because right? mm-hmm. we all have a lot of priorities and goals that really don't have much substance or meaning behind them. Like, yeah. you know, I've now shifted my mindset more so as far as working out that I want to be healthy and be around with my daughter for as long as I can in this world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, still, I'd like to look good. That's another external factor that is driving me to work out, but there's no purpose behind that. And if I didn't have a daughter, I would probably be thinking still, I just work out to look good. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that because you look good, feel good, you perform well, you have confidence. All those things do branch off of that. But confidence and all those things can also be and should also be developed independently of how you look externally Mm -hmm. so again with perspective um you really have to take a step back and sometimes alter your perspective in relation to your goals because um some of that superficial thinking and the things that you're trying to accomplish might be what's holding you back from really putting in that full effort because part of you knows that your purpose isn't really there Mm -hmm. and you're you're putting in effort but you know in your heart it doesn't really feel right at the same time because there's something else that's really more important that you're not aware of that you're you're still trying to pull energy from to do something that you're not really looking at in the light of what it is 100 percent I feel that. And to add on to that, I feel like you could take the perspective of the people around you. Maybe they haven't made their purpose deeper yet. Maybe their purpose is still on the surface and they just want to look better. And your workout routine is intertwined with that person. 
Mm-hmm. And now when the day comes for both of you guys to be accountable, they don't have a super deep purpose to motivate them to the gym, but you do. Mm-hmm. You got to check in with yourself and be get it dolo. You know what I mean? No, no great person has never had to be dolo in the gym. Right. And by dolo, my friend means solo by yourself. By yourself. Um, do you think that that level of awareness in relation to perspective and like acknowledging other people's perspectives in that way can possibly cause like insecurity or paranoia? If you are looking at other people and just reckoning with your involvement with them, depending Mm -hmm. on their sense of purpose. Yeah. I don't think so. I think that it's a good place. Like I'm saying reckon, I think it's a good place for you to add up and figure out like, where can I get energy within my friend groups and where am I going to get my energy sucked out? And I feel like consciously creating your life means that you have to put yourself in the place where you're given energy. Mm -hmm. And if you have to bring your own energy that day, I don't know how many athletes out here are listening to this, but you've probably played a game before where there was not anyone in the crowd. You know what I'm saying? And you guys had to bring your own energy. That's part of being great. You got to learn how to bring your own energy. But I I think that it can become depressing. Um, Back to your question. I think it can be if you are comparing. Yeah. Right. And that was kind of what I was pointing at towards asking you that. Yeah. Cause I think some people, you know, will, will confuse understanding others perspectives and acknowledging others perspectives for, um, caring what people think, Mm. you know, cause Mm -hmm. those are, they're closely related, but um you their perspective should only help you build upon yours and uh help you operate as a more likable human being other understanding someone else's perspective it shouldn't be something that scares you or something that occupies your mind in a way as being distracting or uh, really have any negative effect because um you know some people's perspectives are negative there is 100. that that fact of life so for sure and they might want your perspective to be negative with them misery right. loves company and right. that's a fact of our social Often. world yeah definitely so i think that's important for people to you know just recognize and be aware of in that journey as well you know as you do uh develop your perspective try to walk a mile in someone else's shoes as they say yeah. um just don't let that really cloud your judgment or be a negative effect because it could easily slip in the wrong direction with that as well. For sure. And I'm going to address one particular group of people, parents who have young kids. Blake, you just touched on the fact of like, you just try to become a likable person. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents of young kids who play sports. I think that as you're spectating your young child who's learning a game and trying to figure out how to um, navigate this field and his own body or her own body, mm-hmm. you should really just want to reward and recognize when they're doing things that make them a good teammate. Yeah. When they make actions that would make someone want to invite them back to play again, I feel like that should be your only measure at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Is, is my child behaving in a way where they would want to invite them back? Yep. And I'll I'll tread lightly with how I speak on that topic because I do interact with some people that uh, interact with their kids in certain ways that I don't necessarily disagree with, but um, there is uh, a level of selfishness that can potentially come from the way you reward your kid, especially 
in the realm of sports. Yeah. Especially if your kid's good at the sport. For sure. Because that's a lot of rewarding to do. Right? Yeah, and and so, we're old enough to have peeped athletes who got yeah. all the way burnt out because of the way their parents were interacting with them in their sport. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason we point this out. And, mm-hmm. you know, with that being said, there is a balance between it. My parents would reward me for my efforts and things and really just being interested in things. But I never had any type of reward that was directly related to my sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people get rewarded for a touchdown. Some people, you know, like you even said, reward for level of sportsmanship that you would show. My parents weren't worried about that, you know. And so a lot of the the reinforcement that I got were more from academics. And that, that of course, has benefited me. But I was explaining to a young athlete that I meet with regularly uh, just recently last week. Um, it is such a blessing for him to have the support educationally and that level of support in his sport because it's a lot easier to perform with a little bit of uh Um, external motivation, even though I am teaching him how he needs to develop his internal motivation and drive as well. Um, Feeling that your parents are proud of you for doing things is pretty important. So, you know, the, the kid already cares about football a lot as it is, but the fact that his parents care a lot about his football performance, I think is driving him to be great as well. So, um, you know, there, there's no, right or wrong way to do things sure there are optimal ways to do things optimal and there's always ways to improve upon our uh, our strategies and how we really do anything especially in parenting and you know i i say that just four months into being a parent but that's something that i've known as being a parent for a long time now so um you see what i did there 100% as being a parent. A that's parent, bars. A-P-P-A-R-E-N-T. That, double yeah, entendre. Yeah, double nothing entendre. But, bars. but <laughs> I, as we get off of this point, I just want to say, use your sport to develop your humanity, to develop and self-actualize like any other Please. tool. Don't let it use you. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Use it to become bigger in presence, to become bigger in confidence as a leader. All these things that we need in our community, not as many jump shooters. And, you know, you say as young athletes, but I even look to older athletes because you talk about how much time and dedication and thought and blood, sweat and tears go into your sport. And people that play sports professionally, it's hard for them sometimes to identify outside of that sport because mm-hmm. it, it consumes so much of their life. And so it is important for even a older athlete to be aware of these things and how the sport's going to develop them too, because your existence is not the sport that you're playing. Even if that sport's making you millions of dollars right now, um, you know, God willing, the sport you're playing is going to be long gone before you are. So you got to know what's going to be important about you to you uh, when the sport is no longer a part of your life the way that it is currently. 100%. 100%. And if you can figure that out, you got it, buddy. So, you got it. Perspective. Yeah. I'm going to try to get as far out as I can. 
So earlier I mentioned that sometimes I like to imagine that my soul is an expanding light that can go out as far as infinity. Mm-hmm. And then I encompass everything that I could possibly imagine. And then I try to realize that there's not much difference, right? You remember 70s, hippies, people saying things like one love and peace, man. Well, uh, I still say one love. 100%. Blake, Daily. And I still believe in those vibes. So often I try to remember that what is one love? Let's talk about perspective. Mm. That person that I'm upset at is me. Mm-hmm. Come on, if I believe in one love, then what's the difference between me and any other human being or any other thing that has an energy field to it? Nothing. Nothing. We're all in it as one. Uh, You know, there's a lot of corny cliches that kind of take away from the power and the gravity of one love. Uh, And it makes me think of like high school musical, we're all in this together. But that's really how it is. Like, those are facts. Like, they're they're preaching facts there. Uh, The the journey that you're walking is individual. And you you walk your own journey, but they're all intertangled in a web, right? My decisions so much influence those of the people that I come into contact with. And it's so easy to make or break somebody's day. And for, for people to really break days on a regular basis like that toxic energy is not something that's ever gonna help you elevate to the best version of yourself Uh, regardless of what your goals are i hope you have some type of goal but you know the the bad energy the negative things that no matter how far it helps you get eventually you're gonna hit a very hard wall because everything that you put out into this world is reciprocal and that's Mm. something that you have to first understand from your own lens see how the people around you are affecting you Mm. extract the bad energy elevate your positive energy and then see how you're going to put it back into the people that you kept around that deserve that energy from you because you know that they're going to reciprocate it and it's just in a loop then everything we do is really in a loop as far as energy goes you're not going to destroy that energy you're not going to create that energy we absorb and spread and share Mm-hmm. And and I'm. You can either be gracious to be a part of that rhythm and that play that's been going on from way before you or any of your ancestors, or you could be mad at it. Yeah, that's your choices. I talk about energy vampires a lot. Yeah, you know, energy vampires will suck it out of you and never give any back. One hundred percent. It's like you they know, just throw it. We need to kind of operate as mirrors. You 100%. know, you you share a smile, you share good energy. It's gonna bounce bounce right back at you. One hundred. And you know, we are from. Um, a suburb in the East Valley of Phoenix, Arizona, and East Side. So, back in the day, we remember Steve Nash. We remember the two-time MVP man, and that was a huge message to me when I was younger. Mm. Share the rock, distribute the yeah. energy. I was about to if say, you he's distribute humble. the energy, it comes back to you, and you're a two-time MVP. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, and um, you know. Uh, the Kobe mentality, mm. Mamba mentality. R.I.P. R.I.P. Talk about it, though. What's the Mamba mentality? It's of equal importance. Mm. Um, again, you know, as far as perspective, I think there's quite a few documents and uh, accounts from Kobe that have come out after he's passed that have changed people's perspective on really his journey and why he was the way he was. Um, there was a lot of misinterpretation about his character just because he had a certain level of dedication Mm -hmm. and a certain drive. Um, You know, so I think ideally 
what people should strive for is having balance. I think balance is very important. And a lot of people would disagree with me on that um, because I, I see a lot of sources that, you know, promote a very narrow focus of dedication and, um, a lot of times they refer to it as obsession for whatever they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And I think that that's a good strategy to accomplish things quickly, but not necessarily accomplish them with quality in a way that it's going to make them last and help you get the most out of the situation. So are you saying that for most people, like a Mamba mentality over obsession with getting better at just one skill isn't really feasible? Um, you know, I guess in a way, yeah, there, there's a lot of people that can't operate like that mm. to to do that level of repetition and close off your interactions with people because um, a lot of players early in Kobe's career thought that he was antisocial or standoffish, mm. you know, but he was dedicated, you know, mm-hmm. and for some people that would really drive them into a dark place to be aware that people thought of them in this way because Kobe knew that people didn't accept him for how he operated, but yeah. he also knew that he was special and that he had the potential to accomplish these things if he put in the time that he did. And so he made that happen, but there were sacrifices along the way, especially as far as his social life was, because he didn't really have much of a social life for a large portion of his career, right? Yeah, no, for real. If you're When you're that dedicated, you're going to kind of be a lone wolf in mm-hmm. any field that you're in. Yeah, and you talk about mental fortitude, like, again having that mentality operating on that way on a daily basis for that long and being aware that people don't necessarily approve of how you're going about your business that's not necessarily easy to cope with and Mm -hmm. it's not easy to persevere through and achieve that level of success and then once you get to that level you might think that it's easy to coast now and you can start to do things a little differently he didn't really start doing things differently until a little bit when he went to the Olympics. He started mm-hmm. realizing that he could develop relationships in a little different way. Sure. And you started seeing a different side of him, right? Yeah. But yeah, everybody can account on the fact that he just seemed like he broke out of this show once he retired from the NBA. Yeah. Because he didn't have to still be that competitive exactly, mamba. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So now it's like I can look at you guys as friends because he mm-hmm. genuinely approached the game like if you're on the other side, we're enemies tonight. Yeah, exactly. And man, that type of energy, you know, I like to, like we say, we're all one. You know, I believe we're all created in God's image. So like a very humble, very kind of passive person, like I feel them, but that like Kobe Mamba energy where it's like, I'm going to take your head off. And I've been in the gym for decades preparing to do it. Mm-hmm. I feel that too. I oh, see yeah. myself in that. And that's where I'm like, man, that's exciting. Right. That is exciting. Right. But like you're saying, it's all about balance because yeah. not all of us have the genetics the lottery of the genetics paired with the work ethic paired with the upbringing and the resources to get us to that level right the majority of us probably need to mamba mentality in a field that has a greater chance of your success Mm -hmm. and that can make you a leader of your household Mm -hmm. so then as a community we can grow yeah and um you can have different mentalities towards different things that you do Mm. right yeah. So you could have a mamba mentality towards how you're going to develop your family. You know, you could be dedicated to your family in that same way. Man. You know, that's it, real. It's a decision to be dedicated to your work 
yeah. and be dedicated to your profession. And there's benefit in that. And you're able to provide for your family. But, you know, a lot of people, even later in life as adults, they they have some level of resentment towards their parents that were so ambitious in their profession, even if they did have all of the material things and didn't have to worry about money. Because kids don't always realize the the gravity of not having money. Mm. So the kids that do have money may underappreciate it. And the kids that don't have money don't know anything else, right? 100%. So until they get you know, brought into another person's life, but that's a whole different story. But yeah. on that note, you know, the what you put your energy towards and how you go about manifesting that experience and what you want it to be is always going to have some level of consequence in one way or another. So I mm-hmm. think it's very important to to develop your perspective along that journey and it can change too, right? Yeah. You can you can start at something full force and if it's pulling away from energy that you need to put elsewhere to take care of the people that you love in a way that's going to let them know that you love them, then that's okay too. 100%. Um, that's being one with the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Being one with the universe and then it can be the other way around as well. You know, you're not doing enough for your family you're having a little too much fun, you might need to put your nose a little deeper into your job and, mm-hmm. and figure out how you're going to get this bread and bring more food to the table, right? 100%. Yeah. You know, and I'll tell people often because they'll ask me like, yo, Russ, like how does your relationship with your spirituality and your belief in God help you out here? And I'll say like, mm-hmm. well, in my own area of the world, I do my prayers and my studies. When I step out into the world, I'm guided all I have to do is really go out the door. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. If I get out of bed and go out the door, I'm now guided. But it's my job to get up and go out. And for some people, that's the hardest part. Bro, I know. And that's the people we work with. That's why mm-hmm. we know perspective. Yeah. If you spend all day with some people that literally just a showing up is a goal. Like, if you could think about that, that showing up is the goal. Yeah. You know, you might start really thinking differently about what it means to be a human being um, in our society. Um, You know, again, in terms of perspective, that it all comes down to your goals and what's important to you and also what you've been exposed to and what you have as far as an understanding of what it is you're getting into. I know my perspective within my profession is completely different than it was when I was choosing to get into the field that I'm in. And that's because... Now my perspective is from within instead of from the outside. And so, um, like I was saying before, our perspective should develop and change over time. Um, My emotions towards my job, going into a shift, how I interact with my patients, that's something that I'm trying to develop every single experience that I have so I can Mm -hmm. do it in the best way that I can. Um, And I would say that, Early in my career, I was certainly more eager in doing a lot of things that I do, but um, now I definitely operate with more care and more awareness in my interactions with people in my work setting as well. Yeah, I feel that. Um, How do you feel your perspective towards your job within the school system has changed now that you're deeper into it and have a different position within it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I feel like it's 
changed because I was unaware of how quickly students get removed from the normal school population due mm. to like behaviors, yeah. uh, whether it could be one incident or multiple incidences and how many variables come to play with that student being removed. Mm-hmm. You know, I never even noticed that. I mean, me going through elementary school and middle school and high school, you know, we would hear about maybe a big moment, a big behavior that was physically aggressive or something, and then we might not see the student anymore. But yeah. to be working with the students, you know, who that is, is very interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Because um, even up until now, I never really thought about uh, what those kids went through. <laughs> in that process and what it looked like as far as them uh, being transitioned into a different school setting. And um, sometimes they come back to the school that they left, right? Yeah, that's our goal. Where I work is to get them reintegrated back into the normal school population. And that's why we work on social skills and coping Mm -hmm. mechanisms and just different ways to, you know, socialize properly. properly. Now, I remember the... Uh, perspective that I had on that process back when we were in school age. Do those kids feel like that process is uh, similar to like a prison system? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Uh, Because they're little human beings and like we um, all want autonomy and we all want freedom. That's almost like one of our base desires. Yeah. So if they're limited in their movement or limited in you know if they can just go places without an adult based off their past they're gonna start feeling like oh i'm in a prison right which is interesting because that's another thing i've seen is a lot of parallels between these like behavioral schools and almost like it is kind of a pipeline to prison yeah uh because you know there's a certain amount of money these kids get in special education for their seat in a more individualized educational setting Mm -hmm. and if they don't start making better choices that money's just going to transfer to Mm -hmm. the prison for some of them yeah and and you have recognized that they need to be aware of these correlations earlier rather than later because a lot of them don't know until they're a part of that second system which is prison right yeah like it sounds dark but you know i've had those conversations Mm -hmm. sometime or somewhere there is an investor who is literally putting money into an asset that is betting on you making bad choices yeah yeah (laughs) they're investing in it they're waiting for you to get to fill their cell Mm -hmm. there's a lot of lucrative uh um industries that are banking on someone else's poor decisions Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i have those conversations very often and i'll pull up the actual expenditure uh spreadsheets and stuff like that to just show Mm -hmm. them i'm not messing around (laughs) right right put numbers behind it and don't let them think that it's you talking from an emotional stance. And it's funny because like I'm saying, we all want autonomy and we all want freedom. You know, these businessmen are just figuring out ways for their assets to grow and they're making more positive choices in their lives or they should be. Um, Mm, (laughs) But, (laughs) but that's the conversation with everyone. It's like, we want freedom. uh, We want autonomy and we can get that without, you know, you brought up, uh, people in our generation, kind of how we'll get more tattoos, more piercings, these things that weren't really the norm mm-hmm. 40, 50 years ago. Um, because as we get more comfortable understanding that there are resources and abundance for us here, mm-hmm. I think that we 
tap into that expression more and we want to feel yeah. as free as we can. And we're less afraid of the consequences that may come with tapping into those forms of expression. Sure. Um, you know, like a hundred years ago, if you wanted to be a nurse and you came in with a beard and dreads and being a young black man, who I was, knows? I was about might, to say, there's a lot of things. There's a lot years of ago, things, As far as me bro. being a nurse, that would not be accepted. That's what I'm saying. So freedom really used to be limited to a smaller group of people. Oh, yeah. And in theory, it's much greater now. And yeah. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. test that theory. Now that's a great point to bring up because we do often get in uh, these uh, geopolitical situations where people all of a sudden feel like their freedoms are being stripped from them. And if people would really look, like you said, just a hundred years back, as far as we go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> freedom's night and day difference. And then also, sure. as far as anybody else goes, it's kind of a night and day difference too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because we can reach anybody. You can develop a product and find a niche market in Malaysia or some group yeah. of people you didn't even think about that tap mm-hmm. into your energy that are now going to fund you. Yeah, yeah. And and sometimes the, the opportunities and the resources might lie where they really should be or where we think they should be, but they are certainly there. And, um, you know, again, as far as my profession, um, 100 years ago, it was only women that were nurses. And they had to wear a certain uniform. They all had to wear hats. They all wore skirts. And mm-hmm. so, you know, now we have people that are upset about the lack of freedom we have as far as what we can wear It's scrubs. But again, with perspective, my 95-year-old great-grandmother, you know, bless her soul, she was a licensed practitioner nurse um, starting 70 years ago, I believe. And uh, she practiced as a nurse for about 40 years, if I'm not mistaken, up until she's in her 70s. So she saw a lot of that change. And she saw a lot of the the increases in freedoms for black people, but also for nurses and the level of autonomy and trust that nurses started to have. And uh, the development of that profession as, as well as the civil rights development. And then so... I think it's very important for us um, as we get frustrated with the the current state of things. We do have to put it in perspective and see where we came from and not let that be an excuse that things aren't how they should be. Because, of course, in all of these realms, there's room for improvement and there always will be. It'll never be perfect. And that's why we as a people have to be able to address these things that are not perfect and just make plans and uh, also acknowledge that it's a process that goes into changing a lot of these things. 100%. Nothing happened overnight, but we can't allow progress of any of these things to stop either because that would be arbitrary to the past effort. So we just have to keep the ball rolling. Hopefully it's a snowball effect with all the positive change that goes into things, you know. Yeah. Um, the, the more that things get into place, the more stable it should feel, the more safe people feel, the more supported and valuable people feel. Um, and, and being able to uh, put a collective effort in to develop that over a course of generations is is extremely important. For and sure. we don't realize that a lot of these battles that we see in our generation have really only been able to be fought in full force for a couple of generations now. For sure. So it's up to us to continue to fight and also teach our youth the importance of continuing but not being so upset about where things are currently because of the perspective of where they were previously. 100% incremental change is change and if you take a revolutionary mindset from a large scope you're Mm -hmm. gonna see that you know 
if you're fighting on the side of right, you're on the right side. Yeah, yeah. And we, we try to overcomplicate that sometimes, but mm-hmm. really all it takes is effort and consistent effort. For sure. And that's worth accomplishing anything, whether it be uh, changing the world and civil rights or trying to get better at your sport, right? Yeah, and you know, in my mind, I think that is where we are most affected by the lack of education of our cultural heroes. Oh, yeah. Because we're not always aware of what fought has been fought. Oh, yeah. So sometimes we get to be 17, 18, and we just see this environment for what it is when you start to be treated like a young man or a man out here. Yeah. And you get upset. But you you haven't been taught yet about the people who came before who held their head high and, you know, put vocabulary in their mind and armed themselves with intelligence to face mm-hmm. this, whatever it might be that, you know, mm-hmm. you're upset with. Yeah. So again, it's about balance, right? You have the right to be upset about these things because they are wrong. But we we also have to have a level of gratitude and appreciation for the effort that has been put in previous to us and, uh, the the current state that we're in because it it could be worse it could be much Mm -hmm. worse when we just have to make sure it doesn't take any steps in the wrong direction and also let that the unsettling feeling that we have drive us and putting forth that effort but also not taking away from the beauty of the current situation we're in 100 percent, you know because the energy to connect to is in the moment you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. If you believe God, if you believe in God and you believe that God is love, well, that's a moment to moment experience. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that nobody can take away from you. That's no. always going to be there as long as you walk on this earth. And, you know, in my belief, thereafter as well, um, you, you know, the the perspective of what happiness is and what we strive for and what we have, I, I realize I have a lot. I have a lot for anybody living now, and I have a whole lot for somebody living 100 years ago. So I try to remind myself about the little things. You know, my wife was making fun of me the other day, the comments I was making about our water, because I got the water filter changed in the fridge. I was like, man, this water tastes so good. And she was like, you keep talking about that water. I was like, babe, you know how many people don't have clean water? Mm. And like this water is considerably better than the water I had before, which was already <laughs> clean water. But yeah. now I just have this top-level water, and I am so appreciative of this water that I have because Man. I know a lot of people would kill for it. She was like, you think people would kill for that water? I was like, yes, baby. If somebody was given the opportunity to have clean water for themselves and their family for an entire year, I think there's a lot of people that may take a life to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, and that's dark, but that's true, man. So my way of expressing gratitude is drinking up that water and talking about it. Yeah, (laughs) for (laughs) sure. Drink up the water and then recognize and acknowledge it as a blessing. Yeah, yeah, because I appreciate it, man. I pay that water bill too. You know, I work for that water. Hundred percent. Work for that water. Mm. Um, you know, as far as nourishment goes, I think perspective is really important and. Of course, athletic performance, like we've talked as far as mental capability and how you prepare your body. Mm-hmm. But um, as, as far as nutrition goes, um, do you have anything significant in the realm of nutrition that has changed as far as your perspective from when you were a kid to now? 
Yeah. I think my number one is my water intake. You know, when I was younger, my dad being an ex-athlete, he would tell me all the time, like, man, you got to drink more water with your workouts. And I was like, man, miss me with that. (laughs) Like, let me get this, you know, country time. In Arizona. (laughs) Yeah, and all this other stuff. But then once I got more serious and became like college level, um, I was drinking, you know, a gallon water a day Mm -hmm. and, and being much more serious with being hydrated. So I think that's the number one thing that changed with me uh, yeah. from being a kid. How about you? I know you're more you yeah. know, well-versed on the nutrition I, side and these things. Some would think I'm over the top as far as nutrition, but I think yeah. it's extremely important to be conscious of what you put into your body. And uh, at, when I was an athlete, I would like drink half a gallon of apple juice and a box of eat a box of cheez it's and go to football practice and do crazy stuff and still had a six pack and running miles a day and you know deadlifting 500 pounds and stuff it was just like trash in my body but yeah you know looking back on it i was performing at a high level and then i just wonder what level i could have performed at if i was prioritizing nutrition in the way that i was prioritizing the weight room yeah um, so I try to teach young athletes about that now as well, because again, I know a lot of kids that have the resources and have the information, but it's not easy putting that into practice. And it mm-hmm. is easy to show up to the weight room, but it's not easy to put down the bag of chips. It's not easy to make sure you eat vegetables or eat a certain number of times a day or don't skip breakfast, like all those extra things that will really elevate you and help you perform at the peak of your potential. Those are not easy things to do, but success is not easy and nobody made it to the league by taking the easy route. And that's something that I try to remind these kids as well, because that's something that from their perspective, they really have no idea what it takes. No, no idea. And I only know a piece of what it takes, but you and I both know several people that have made it to the league. For sure. You know, Mm. and the... It seems like there's a lot of very consistent things between those people that they did to get the level of success that they did. For sure. And then we essentially have made it to the league in terms of academia. And so we can use our knowledge of what we've accomplished in education and what those individuals have accomplished in terms of their athletic abilities and with our past athletic performance and really just write a script for somebody to go ahead and accomplish these things they talk about when they say, I want to go to the league. 100%. And, you know, I'm glad you said that. We are very well versed and almost made it to the league in education. But for me, for my brother and for my father, all the men that are in my immediate family, we had our education paid for by playing basketball yeah so what that means is that a lot of sacrifices had to come before that time uh that a scholarship was offered Mm -hmm. and (laughs) that looked dark man that looks like getting up uh before people that looks like not going out and spending your energy on things that you don't need Mm -hmm. to be as best as you can and a lot of times you know i i'm not trying i hope that as i age i don't become more pessimistic but i have a lot of conversations with young athletes where after like five minutes of them talking to me my mind goes to you don't want it you don't want this bro. right like stop you don't want this like i I, Mm -hmm. in it kind of i'm not trying to be you know mean or anything but it's like you don't want any part of this competitive athletic world because there's kids that take this very serious and they're gonna outwork you they're gonna eat you alive that's not being pessimistic though that's being realistic and you know as long as in those interactions you can explain to those kids why you think that way then that might be what 
causes them to change their perspective and operate in a way that uh, will potentiate their goals. Yeah. Because not all kids get an opportunity to hear that either. You know, we we sure. know a lot of kids that had the potential themselves, but didn't necessarily have the guidance or didn't yeah. know anybody that had the connections or didn't know anybody even from their town that had been performing at a in an elite level in the sport that they play right oh, sure. so the connections that we've had growing up uh performing ourselves at a high level and also being around so many other people that were performing at high levels in so many different sports like that is a blessing in itself yeah. so uh the the perspective that you offered to a young man that might not necessarily be exhibiting the proper characteristics at that time i think that it's of equal value for you to share with him why you don't think that they're ready for it yeah i agree <laughs> so if we're going to talk about perspective you know i mean we always haven't been just optimistic and bulletproof um what was it like for you as a young athlete when things got dark and your performance wasn't how you wanted it and you weren't getting the feedback you wanted and it got hard yeah i mean the easiest way to relate to that is injuries of course you know mm. that's a big setback uh you start to doubt yourself and then other people start to question your abilities too, especially if you're out for a certain amount of time. Uh, we can all think of a, a big time athlete that's gone through a major injury and uh, had to have, you know, their, their little road to recovery and bounce back situation. So um, going through that a couple of times, you know, tearing my hamstring and track and then tearing a ligament in my, sh a ligament in my shoulder, uh, weightlifting right before a football season mm -hmm. um, that, that is something that created a lot of self-doubt. Um, but I, I did, you know, trust the process as far as recovery went. And that was really what uh, set the foundation for me and uh, doing prehab, as they talk, um, as far as stretching and warming up properly. Um, you know, we when we're kids, we're so almost invincible. We think we're invincible. And um, I, I remember just jumping into sets of squat, put 315 on my back and not think anything of it, mm -hmm. you know, but nobody was telling me I shouldn't do that. Instead, there's people standing around watching, marveling that I was strong enough to just jump in and do something like that. But I didn't realize wow. how much damage I was doing to my body and nobody else cared to let me know whether they knew or not. You know, um, I didn't so have that level of guidance, especially not in the weight room. So, um, you know, just be becoming aware of the again, the level of preparation that goes into all the things that we do. And um, also the the dedication that goes behind truly performing at a high level, because you can get strong and not do prehab, not stretch and keep getting strong, keep getting strong. And then you really put yourself in a situation where you have an awful injury yeah. and it's just tightening, tightening up with tension waiting to happen. Meanwhile, you're scoring all these touchdowns and doing stuff, but it's just waiting to put this huge damper on your career. Meanwhile, you could be putting in the effort to avoid that from happening and stay at the top. And that's something that I've been trying to explain to kids. Like, mm -hmm. I, I would never use my injuries as an excuse, yeah, but to sure. have two significant injuries in your high school years when you're an athlete, that can be detrimental. Yeah. So if you can do something to avoid those injuries, then you should be doing that at all costs to the to the the end of your abilities uh, to the same level of dedication that you're doing as far as your practice and your your training. One hundred percent. Yeah. So 
Man. That that taught me a lot going through those injuries, and um, it's also just given me another, um, I guess, level of gratification and um, you know appreciation for being able to explain those things to young athletes and hopefully help them and avoid injuries and continue to perform at a high level and you know of course have the cascade of um, results as far as their confidence being higher and them. Uh, being successful in the other realms because it's just it all correlates when you have something that means so much to you uh feel like it ended overnight that's that's a tough thing to deal with for anybody especially as a young athlete so um i was lucky enough to not have a significant injury to where i could never do certain things again but we've seen that happen a lot too yeah for sure um and and even those athletes i want to be able to prepare for those situations because a lot of injuries you can't prevent you know freak accidents happen and where a lot of large people running really fast doing crazy things and so you need to be prepared for what's going to happen if you catch the the wrong end of the luck in one of those situations yeah you do it's very interesting you know i mean if you're going to take that journey of you know trying to be a leader and being an athlete and being you know more than I don't want to say more than normal, but just expecting more of yourself. Mm. Uh, You're going to have to prepare for what happens when those hard times hit. You know, as I'm asking you this question, I'm thinking for myself. And when I was in college, which a lot of young college athletes can probably relate to this. I was in college. I was away from home, grinding every day, grinding every day. And then uh, my grandma was developing Alzheimer's Mm. at the same time. Mm. So as I'm going to these daily lifts, practices in class, I'm getting these calls and she's slowly forgetting more and more. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, I'll sign this letter of intent. Like I'm here grinding, following my dreams, but you got to show up to practice with a psychological weight. Yeah. And man, can that get difficult and anything that you're trying to do that's outside of the norm, you are bringing your day to day, possibly psychological problems, Mm -hmm. uh, relationship, family, all these different things. And that's why I commend people who truly do it. Yeah. Who truly be great because that means that you're having to put to the side some probably hard things. We're human, oh, so yeah. we're all going to go through it. Yep. Yeah, especially as long as that journey is. There's a lot of things that we encounter in our lives that are just bound to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. We're going to lose people. We're going to uh, see catastrophe and, um, we we all are affected by those events in different ways, but no matter what the event, there are people that continue after, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, from that perspective of a young man in this world trying to follow his dreams and going through that, you again just have to keep things in perspective and realize that, um, you know, in, in your situation, I went through something similar. My grandpa had Alzheimer's as well at the beginning of my college career, and um one thing that I really didn't acknowledge and understand until after he was gone is that, you know, it would be nice if in their last days we could put college on pause and spend more time with them and not be in a different state, et cetera. But our grandparents are never going to shame us for doing the things that we do. For sure. They're always going to be proud of us for the efforts and the successes we have. And uh, they just want to see a smile on our face, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's hard to lose anybody. It's so True. hard, um, but you should never feel guilt in doing what you need to do 
um, to to follow your dreams and make people proud because yeah. um, the journey that you walk, nobody sees the real details of that except for you. Yeah. And um, the the least you can do for yourself is just trust and believe that the people that show you love and say they love you truly want what's best for you. And that that includes you doing what they know you're capable of. 100. Um, and it's, it's interesting I say that because... Um, Oh, I had a brain. That is, that is a I was thinking brain. already, they passed the baton. You know what I mean? They say they love you and they passed the baton. So I was bringing up earlier how I feel like sometimes our miseducation can hurt us in our later years. Yeah. When you're unaware of what your genetics are and unaware of the connection to your ancestors, you can be unaware of the fact that like you are, you have the baton now. Yeah. They've been giving it down thousands of years and now you got it and you're running with it. These people just want you to bring that baton a little further. Yeah, keep running. Bring that baton a little bit further. And one more thing, my main tool, and I talked about I talk about this with a lot of young athletes, my main tool that got me through uh performance anxiety and dealing with uh different things in my life is meditation. Yeah. When I learned uh that I can sit still and just let myself think without identifying with those thoughts it opened up a whole new world of performance to me what age did you start meditating well i was a freshman in college about 19 years old because uh the head coach of our team would bring in a yoga instructor three times a week and we would start practice with like a 45 minute yoga class mm -hmm. and that lady was like you know your typical yoga like long dress like very meditative with yeah. the stretches and i like started getting into a little rhythm with it and i saw myself hitting jump shots after we do yoga and i was like hold on because mm -hmm. at that time i was very superstitious mm -hmm. so i was like hold on we did yoga and i'm smacking threes in practice yeah. so now i'm looking forward to yoga and then after a couple years of me really practicing it it became less about my ego and hitting threes and more about expanding my consciousness and mm -hmm. like the things that it was meant for what did she use to get a group of young athletes to focus and take yoga seriously bro i wish i could say we took it serious like there's like 16 players and maybe three of us were taking it serious for the most part mm -hmm. everyone's laughing at the poses and mm -hmm. like what well, she mm -hmm. wants me to get into what mm -hmm. like that looks sus all these different type of comments and laughing so to be honest like the group of young guys weren't taking it serious yeah. I, me and like two other of my teammates i remember were like on our mat like really trying to like lock in yeah and uh yeah so so yeah. what did you what did you do can you remember how you blocked out the distractions within that moment because i know for a lot of people mm -hmm. yoga is hard even in the most quiet uh perfect setting you know yeah. uh you can have a, a top tier yoga instructor with all the feng shui and the lights are dim so for you to get to a point where you truly enjoyed yoga and continued to try to be in that meditative state, yeah. how do you feel you were blocking out your friends in those moments? Yeah, you know, and when it first started, like I'm saying, it was kind of a superstitious thing. Mm. I used to look for any little rhythm that led to me performing well, and I'd you know, try to jot it down and repeat it the next day. Mm. So when it was working as far as I was feeling better and I was playing better, it was yeah. easy for me to just ignore yeah. uh, the people. But after I went through a couple years of doing it and I started seeing its greater effect on me, then it became a practice of mental discipline. Yeah, yeah. I I understand that 100%. Yeah. Um, 
The only reason I ask you that and say that is mm-hmm. because um, I'm thinking of a young gentleman right now who has a lot of potential and understands the the importance of some of these concepts you're talking about yeah. as far as uh, being one with yourself and meditating and blocking out distractions and being dedicated. But, you know, one thing for him has been difficult is distractions because even, you know, you think uh, in the classroom, you want to mm-hmm. have classes with all your friends and, uh, you know, you, you play sports with your friends and, you know, uh, it's not always easy to really lock in, focus, take things as seriously as you want to when the people around you that you're going through that experience with aren't on that same level of intensity or dedication. For sure. And, um, you know, it, I think it's easier in sports sometimes to take it more seriously than the people around you because you're like, what do you want? Like, I want to win. Yeah. But sometimes in school, it, it, looks corny or people make fun of you if you ask what are you on i want to get a's yeah like what are you on i'm trying to get a nice college scholarship like why are you talking to me in the middle of class and so he would feel you know like he couldn't tell people to stop talking to him or because they're going to look at him crazy or think that he's not being a good friend and i try to explain to him but the same reason you're not going to let anybody come between you and football and get into the league like you say you can't let anybody come between you and school because You don't have football without school. You're a student So they're one and the same. So why are you going to let any of these kids taint that for you? You Yeah, all to be a good friend. All to be a good friend. It's kind of wild how we, you know, and and so so many things I'm sure as we get more in this journey is going to remind me of the fact why we're miseducated. Mm. You know, one of the main things, especially for young boys that has us react or behave is uh, the feeling of belonging to a group. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's why we were more involved in gang activity and mm-hmm. we get, you know, us and our friends will do stupid things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be to our detriment so much. Awesome. So his feeling of wanting to be a good friend is outweighing his dedication to what he says his goal is. Yeah. And that's sometimes as a young person, it's hard to reckon with. Hopefully we can persuade you to put your head down. And because what's going to happen if you start to be more dedicated is that. You're going to get that scholarship and now you're going to be in a group of, he plays football. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're going to be in a group of like 60 people that are like-minded to yep. you. Yep, yep. Or, or you don't do that and then you and your friends uh, kick it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Y'all There's, do that too. There's a lot of video games out there. They yeah. have four players. Like y'all could just kick it if you, if that's what mm-hmm. you want to be dedicated to, you know? Right. There's always more than one option. For There's sure. no right or wrong thing to do. No, figure out what a you want to do. A lot of very talented athletes do come to the conclusion that, hey, I'm not built to do this for 20 years. Yeah. Like even if I do get to the next level, I have other things I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I like to draw. Like, I want to travel the world and do this and that. That's perfectly fine. You know, yeah. sports are not the end of the world. They're not the end all be all. But when you're in that sport, it seems like it. And I, I don't want to relate these conversations only to sports. You know, we sure. both deal with the young people and young athletes. Yeah. But uh, these are, again, concepts, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, uh, that you could, you should be able to apply to really any situation Mm -hmm. or anything that you care about developing yeah this is a mindset that's gonna give you the the potential to you know shift your focus in a way to where you're gonna be okay with yourself and also be eager and motivated in the things that you're putting effort towards on a regular basis for sure so um you know, it, it's good to think of things from a sport perspective because I think that a lot of us can relate in that way. We have yeah. a sports background. That's what gave us our 
competitive drive and that's what we think of as far as a sense of accomplishment early in our life. But, um, you know, for the adults that are listening to this, I hope that you're setting goals as well and asking yourself maybe why you haven't reached some of the goals that, you know, the expiration date has passed at this point. You know, you were expecting to be have already got past that thing Mm -hmm. and you keep pushing it off. You know, we just passed New Year's. A lot of people make New Year's resolutions. I, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. I think that the new year is a good starting point just as far as mapping things out and having a plan and you know having a little better of a timeline in your head as far as progress that you've made Mm -hmm. but you should never wait to start working towards the things that you want to happen Mm -hmm. because you're going to keep waiting whatever's causing you to wait now is going to still be there giving you the potential to choose to wait again tomorrow and whatever's causing you to wait now is going to be there giving you an excuse to stop when you actually end up starting So if you need to change the plan to where maybe you can start now and not necessarily uh, put your full force forward the way that you were expecting previously, I think that that's a better alternative rather than just keep waiting, waiting Mm -hmm. and waiting for this date, you know, on a calendar year that really has no importance as far as what we're experiencing in our lives. For sure. Other than the schedule of your job and school. Mm hmm. Yeah. And if we're going to talk about perspective, that can be you believing in the illusion of your mind more than believing in reality. Um, A lot of times people will create a future self and they will identify with it when that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. And that's a much deeper psychological concept because that gets into... In my mind, an ego, I know that there's the psychoanalytical definition of ego, but the way I feel about ego is your ego is all the things that you've thought of that are you. All the things that you think about that is you. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Because that means nothing. Your what, what ideas, you identify Yeah, with. like your ideas about yourself yeah. are nothing. It's like, what are you doing right now with your energy? What are you picking up and putting down and actually moving in reality. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's analogous to the matrix. I feel like when people want to say like, we live in a matrix, I'm like, we might not live in a matrix, but your belief in your false illusions have you in a matrix yeah. because you don't, you're not in reality. Right. Right. We all have uh, different realities to an extent. For sure. Let me, let me one quick story I had working with this young girl. We're talking about perspective. So this girl is talking to me and she's like, Mr. Davis, I was super scared this weekend because I was walking down the street and um, a white man rode past me on a bike and called me a n- And I'm instantly going into like revolutionary mode, like, oh, that person, you know, has a mental illness. If they're able to do these things, like don't take that personal because they're just sad in their own lives and depressed. All these things that I'm trying to justify. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I hear you, but I was scared existentially because what if he turned around and wanted to like take me or something yeah and that's where my perspective was like dang man like Mm -hmm. maybe you know i can't just try to rationalize everything yeah no and that is hard especially when you get into a place like us uh personally mentally spiritually you want other people to think about things in that same way but again you have to change your perspective and put yourself in the shoes because that is a scary situation right 
you know, there's there's the shock factor of it happening. And then, of course, the uncertainty of what's to come afterwards. And then also bringing it to your attention that people are capable of that level of hatred and, yeah. you know, causing her to maybe be uh, highly uncomfortable when she interacts with anyone that looks anything like him. Or, you know, again, coming across anybody in an isolated situation on the street, um, yeah. you know, because we as kids were in a couple situations where people tried to pull up on us when we were at a park or something, right? 100. Um, it wasn't on a level of a hate crime. I don't think it's because we were black. I think it's just because we were young and we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. But yeah, still, yeah. you know, the same um, the same possibility of having that trauma. Um, and if you compile all those things of her being alone, her being young, her right. being a female, yeah. her being black, 100%. and then all those things are attacked at once, that's, that's a lot for her to handle. Yeah, and that's that's why I brought it up as an example of perspective because, like you're saying, initially I was like, oh, I got the answer for this. Yeah. I've been reading about this. Yeah. I could tell you why that doesn't... And then she's like, you know, you're not thinking about what I'm saying. Mm. And I'm like, nah, you're right. So what you what was your response after you kind of re reevaluated the situation? Well, from that point, I realized that it was more of just a moment to be with her and let her know, like, hey, okay, like you're safe right now, and we can move forward as far as if we want to understand the history of this hateful energy. Or like if you just want to feel comfortable in this moment and just allow yourself to kind of be and, and try to process mm-hmm. what happened it, it, and just use me as someone to maybe help process rather yeah. than me feeling like I need to give her the answer on white supremacy at that yeah. moment to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. make it make sense. Yeah, I've had I've had uh, similar similar situation. I've had similar <laughs> situations at the hospital, you know, as a nurse Yeah, where and earlier in my career, I would like to have answers for people because people talk to me about very personal things. And the way that they talk to me about it is it's almost like they're looking for an answer. But oftentimes they're just wanting to be heard and express what yeah. they're going through. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been able to be slower in my response and be more comfortable with periods of silence and talking to people. Man, that's huge. Because sometimes they need to say it out loud. And then be able to process it themselves because they hadn't said it to anyone. So while we're thinking of a response, like they might need a little more time too, because there might be something else that's coming afterwards. Um, and that it, it's good that you acknowledged that you weren't completely understanding of her situation. Yeah. Because a lot of people would go through that same situation and walk out of it being like, oh man, like why didn't she? understand what I was telling her. Yeah. Like it was this it was, it's yeah. kind of simple. For Especially sure. I'm glad that she was able to express that to a young black man that can maybe relate a little bit well, better. Because I, yeah. I you know, it, it sucks to talk about race so much, but there are certain experiences that certain people cannot relate to as well as others. For sure. And, and for you to not necessarily know how to respond in that situation mm-hmm. just Think about how someone would respond if they do not relate on any demographic level. For sure. What level of understanding would they have and how to intervene and make this girl feel safe and prepare her for, um, you know, God forbid, the next time something like that happens. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it can be super possible. 
Um, and I also feel like that's what should motivate more young brown people to enter clinical settings where they can help out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just my mm-hmm. quick. I'm not trying to get super racy like you're saying, but yeah. I do think that um, counselors, therapists, people who are helping people go through tra- or cope through traumas and have a mm-hmm. healing process, it like you're saying, it helps if you feel like you can relate. Yeah, and no, no, even like no one get upset about that. Like a white psychiatrist isn't going to hear that and be like, I don't agree. Right? No, right. because we know from Carl Rogers' work that identity is one of the main things when it comes to a therapeutic process. You're talking about client-centered therapy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do need to relate on that level. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also on that note, you bring up the therapist. I feel like I have to clarify a little bit with our previous conversation because I sounded a little insensitive. As far as people that uh, seek out uh, assistance from a counselor or a therapist, that is something that I believe is very beneficial. But again, we talk about perspective and whatnot and being able to relate. I do think there's certain situations that are difficult for even a therapist or a counselor to um, connect with someone in a certain way to where they're going to trust to share certain things with them. Yeah. And I think that building a foundation of trust is very important in any healthcare setting, especially in therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do invite anyone that feels they would benefit from therapy to seek help and get therapy For and sure. uh, just go into it with a mindset of that that person's not going to be judging you and that you need to trust them and be open with them to get the full benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, because I talked about my experience in COVID and how I didn't yeah, seek I therapy. But, you know, I could have benefited from therapy. For sure. I didn't seek therapy. And then the way that I handled it, I feel that now that benefited me in its own way. I just feel that our last conversation about it might have been interpreted a little. 100%. I find myself having to make that distinction often because it's like I do talk about all these ways, meditation, working out, nutrition, Mm. um, dedication, confidence, ways that you can grow your lot if you don't need something that is a clinical assistance yeah because we both work with people that we can't just tell them to do better like there (laughs) there is a way that they could do better there's some type of incremental better that they could do Mm -hmm. but it's going to look much different from the group of young athletes that we might talk to that have infinite potential in a lot of more more fields yeah you know so you know we, we we feel you and Hopefully, our perspective grows through this whole journey because oh, yeah. we want feedback. We need feedback. Mm-hmm, you know, I need mm-hmm. to know what you think and how you've healed. And if someone, I would love for some young college athlete to share with me a dark moment they had to go through while they were still performing and how they went about performing in that time. Because right. I think I could share that with a lot of young kids that want to be like you. And we might all be able to do better. Yeah. And I would like for people to also acknowledge that. Uh, part of both of our jobs is to help guide people through very difficult situations. And um, we, as much as we can, try to come from a very objective perspective and mm-hmm. um, try to use our clinical knowledge and uh, medical knowledge to, to you know, not only have a better understanding of what people are going through, but um, be able to relate to them because we use that knowledge to relate to our own experience. But we, um, I think I can speak for both of us in saying that we wouldn't let our our opinions or our own current situation alter how we're going to deal with uh, somebody else that we're trying to help. 
And that's not something that you can really expect out of everyone. I've seen people do our jobs in a lot of different ways, and I try to uh, develop upon that as often as I can. So uh, some of these topics that we talk about, again, we would like to hear feedback from some of our viewers and uh, give us more topics or um, even if you would be interested in joining a conversation, we plan on doing that soon as well. For sure. And we thank you guys so much for tuning in with us for a second time. If you didn't hear the first episode, I suggest you go back, just hear a little introduction of our background. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I can already say this second episode was probably a little more enjoyable for people to listen to. And um, I can guarantee that we will continue to develop upon upon our podcasting youtube skills and uh you will certainly continue to get more and more out of these conversations 100 yes. percent. once again i just want to thank god thank the creator my gratitude for being able to be here in this moment with my brother blake and being able to grow uh we're here for another day man and we're trying to develop as much freedom as we can mm. rhythm and blessings r&b gotta love it Thanks for listening to our show. We don't know how it's going to go, but it's something that you haven't ever seen before. We're two special brothers with rhythm and blessings and love and knowledge and power.